0: listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, Kelowna. For more information about our church, please visit harvestkelowna.ca. All right, well you can turn in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 4. The ushers are coming forward and they have Bibles, they have pens for you to be able to take some notes. They also have some extra pieces of paper for you to be able to take notes during the message today. Now the English language is a fascinating language. Did you know that if you say the word banana really, really slow, it will sound like gullible? Go ahead, try it. Say banana really, really slow. <laughs> okay, yeah, okay, some of you fell. For, how many of you fell for that? Yeah, okay, a number of you did. Um, well, and some of you, you will maybe need to have that explained to you later on in the parking lot. Anyways, Today, what we're talking about is discernment and the great need that we have for discernment in our lives. And it really applies to all areas in our lives, from areas of business and relationships and financial decisions that we're making. We need to have great discernment, even when it comes to shopping online and and, and, and just as, as we go through life, we need to be growing in our discernment and be people of great discernment. Lately, we've been hearing a lot more in the news recently about fake news. What is true? What is right? What is accurate news? And what is fake news? Again, we have to learn to discern even when it comes to our news sources. Well, when it comes to our spiritual lives, spiritual discernment is an absolute must. And it was an important thing in John the Apostle's day, and it is vital for us today. And this is where we pick things up in the book of 1 John here as we study through this book in, in 1 John chapter 4. And in verse 1, let's get right to it. It says here, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. Here we see two commands. I encourage you to write them down, two commands. First one, Don't believe every spirit. Just because something is said from behind a pulpit or published by a Christian publisher or a person speaking at a Christian conference who claims to represent God or claims to be a follower of Christ, we don't necessarily believe it. Even if someone says, thus saith the Lord or God told me and even has scriptures to back it up. Indeed, these can be confusing and these are confusing days. But listen to this, listen to this. Anyone and everyone can speak of God, but not all can speak for God. You see, behind every teaching, behind every philosophy, behind everything that we hear in the spiritual sense, there is a spirit behind it. And there are three principal spirits that are at work in the world. The first one, I encourage you to write this down, the devil. The devil and his legion of demons that are at work in the world trying to deceive and to pull us away from the truth. But then there is the flesh, the second principal spirit at work in our world. Our own sinful, selfish nature that we have, seeking personal glory, fame, our own wants, our own desires, and not the glory of God. And another principal spirit that is at work is the Holy Spirit, the third member of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is the one that is worth listening to, the one that is worth building our lives upon. And so John is saying, don't be deceived by every spirit. We are to follow the Holy Spirit's leading, guiding, and teaching in our lives. And that comes primarily through the Word of God. But he says something else here. He says, to test the spirits to see whether they are from God. The second command that he gives, so first command to test um, that we are not to believe every spirit, and the second command is to test the spirits, test the teaching that we are hearing. We are to be like the Bereans. Remember in Acts chapter 17 verse 11, we read about the Bereans, Jews from the region of Berea, And and here's what it says about them in verse 11 of Acts chapter 17. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Not only did the Bereans receive the word of God, they were hungry for the word of God, they were eager for the word of God, they were teachable, but they also examined and searched the scriptures. They tested what they were hearing, even from the Apostle Paul. And... They tested what they were hearing, being preached and proclaimed with the Word of God. And that is why it's so vital. That's why I encourage you to bring your Bibles. Bring your Bibles to church. Study the Word of God. Underline. Take notes. Write down the references, study and, 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 and research throughout the course of the week to make sure what I am saying is biblically correct. That is vital. It is important, folks. And these are, are things that, that were commanded. This is what John is saying here, that we're not to believe every spirit and we are to test the spirits. These two commands are vital for us today. And, and here's why. This is why it's so important. Write down this reference, 2 Timothy 4, verses 3 and 4. And, and this is from the NIV. Just take, take, take a listen to this. I love the way the NIV puts it. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. That's happening today. These are the days that we are living in. And the word in here, when it says that we are to test the spirits, it's from the Greek word that that we are to check it out, we are to research, we are to test and study by a pattern or a standard that does not change. And what never changes? What is a standard that does not change in our lives? It's the Word of God. And we need to be vigilant in this. We need to be people who are Not believing every spirit, but testing the spirits. And so here, in the text here, in 1 John chapter 4, we see that John ends up giving us three ways, three tests that we can perform, that we can apply to any and all teachers and preachers and teaching that we hear when it comes to the Word of God. We take these tests and we test them against the philosophies that we hear. Anything that we can encounter, on a spiritual sense and a spiritual level, we can run by these three important tests. And we must apply these tests to, to spiritual encounters or experiences that we may hear, that people are having, or that they're promoting, as well as to the teaching that we hear. Here's the first test. I encourage you to write this down. Test number one. We are, uh, it is the Jesus test. Test number one the Jesus test. We see that here in verses two and three, let's read, by this you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. Now in John's day, the teaching of the Gnostics was was spreading throughout the church. There were many false teachers that were infiltrating the church with their teachings and their philosophies. The Gnostics believed, and and this is the early stages of the Gnostic teaching, but they believed that that matter consisted of of many things. And they believed among uh, the various things that they believed was that that evil, uh, that matter was evil, that the human being is evil, that the body is evil. That space is evil. That time is evil. The Gnostics also believe that that Jesus, yes, he was God, but he he wasn't God in the flesh. Because Jesus couldn't have had a physical body because if he did, he would then, because uh, bodies were evil, flesh was evil, there was no way that Jesus could actually have a physical body. So he wasn't. He didn't have a physical body. He was a phantom or like a ghost. And this, again, was because they saw that all matter, all flesh, had been corrupted by evil. And so Jesus, the Son of God, could not have had a physical body. That is what the Gnostics believed. Basically, it would be like this. If you were to walk along the seashore, there would be one set of footprints in the sand, and it would be yours. It wouldn't be his. So they denied the the incarnation of Jesus Christ, meaning that Jesus came in the flesh. And that undercuts the foundation of what the Bible teaches about Jesus. It denies the the truth and the reality, the foundation of which we have built the wonderful truth of the gospel that has been built through Christ, coming in the flesh, is God in the flesh. That is why John is hammering home this point in verse 3. And that's why he says, only follow teachers who believe that Jesus came in the flesh. Don't fall for all that other teaching he is telling them. We are today, just like back then, we are to believe and we are to follow only those who believe that, that confess Jesus Christ as the word of God tells us who Jesus is and what he did. Now today, we're... We're not dealing so much with that kind of false teaching, but it's very similar. They're basically playing the same coin, just from the opposite end. Today, we have many teachers, religions, cults, that even believe that that Jesus Christ came, that he came in the flesh, but they just deny his deity, that he wasn't God. That he was a good man, a good prophet, a teacher, a good example, a miracle man. He just wasn't God in the flesh. And so John is saying anyone or any group that does not believe in a Jesus as described in the Word of God is a false teacher. And so take Mormons or JWs for an an example. They can sound very legitimate, but JWs deny the deity of Christ. They do not believe that Jesus is God. They do not believe that he is God's one and only son among other things, but that is a key area that, that we disagree on. Mormons talk about being born again. They talk about sin and redemption, and, but they do not believe as we do about Jesus. They believe that Jesus and Satan were brothers. And this is where the book of 1 John, and this passage in particular today, is very helpful in helping us to understand this. Sadly, Um, However, we have to be careful because these kind of teachings are infiltrating the Christian church, the evangelical church. You see, there are evangelicals, at least they call themselves that, who no longer believe in the virgin birth or say, well, you can believe it, but it really wasn't that important. Folks, anyone who denies, downplays, dilutes, denounces the person, the work of Jesus Christ as we see in scripture is a blasphemer and is a heretic, and must be rejected. Look what John says in in, in the last part of verse three. He says, this is the spirit of Antichrist, which you heard was coming and is now in the world already. We have to be wise, we have to be discerning. If it is a Jesus that is promoting that everyone should be healthy, wealthy, and wise, that is a different Jesus, that is not a Jesus that we see in the Word of God. That wasn't what Jesus primarily came for, was to make you healthy and wealthy and wise. We have to be very, very concerning and discerning in these days. This week, I was reading something about um, something else that is is infiltrating the Church of Jesus Christ. It's called, and and the term that's been given for it is progressive Christianity. And, And folks, this is a very real threat to the church. Progressive Christianity, um, coming to a college or a seminary near you, and and, and it's actually very hard to define because it's more of an umbrella term for a lot of different beliefs. But here's a short summary of progressive Christianity. They take a lower view of the Bible. They do not believe that God's word is the final authority. It's more of a suggestion book or a best practice book you know, filled with the best practices, but, but not the authority. And they start to question, did God really say that? Or does he really mean that? Or here, this is how it applies to us today. It's different than, you know, God's word has changed. Here's another thing. Uh, false te- uh, uh, with this is that feelings are emphasized over facts and truth. It's more about what you feel rather than the truth of the word of God. Here's another thing about progressive Christianity. Essential Christian doctrines are open for reinterpretation. That's a very, very serious thing. When we see that taking place, that that doctrines that have stood and people have given their lives for, for, for centuries, are now open for reinterpretation because now we have such wisdom. We have this enlightened mind today. Here's another thing. The heart of the gospel message shifts from sin and redemption to social justice. That is a huge thing going on in our days. Instead of the gospel being applied to our lives and us being gospel-focused and gospel-centered people, that, that it shifts to, to acts of kindness and social justice. Nothing wrong with social justice, but it's not the gospel. And we must be about the gospel. Folks, listen up. Our experiences, our culture, as it shifts and evolves, these things are happening in our lives today, but God's word, God's truth does not shift. It does not evolve. It stands firm. And when it comes to this progressive Christianity, it can sound a lot like biblical Christianity in so many different ways because the same language is used. They talk about Jesus and about God and the Bible and love and compassion and serving and all of these different things. But oftentimes it teaches, it promotes an incomplete or a false gospel. Here's an example from a children's pastor at a progressive Christian church who, who recently wrote this article as, on her blog as she is really struggling in teaching kids these days the Easter story. And um, just because she finds that the Easter story is a hard thing for, for children to understand. And so she doesn't want to teach the Easter story because teaching children that Jesus died for you or your sin, she doesn't want to teach that because that could just be psychological psychologically damaging for children. She doesn't want to teach that God intended for Jesus to die because that would be confusing or jarring. She doesn't want to teach The children under her her care and ministry that Jesus died to save them from from God's judgment. Because atonement theology, meaning that that Christ died for our sins, or that we are in need of redemption, has no place in a conversation with kids. Folks, this is sad. Understand this. Any lowered, watered-down view of Jesus is a false, incomplete gospel, and it doesn't save And it can be a slow drift and a slow fade away from this truth. And so we must pass every teaching, every teacher, by this test. What do they say about Jesus? What do they actually believe about Jesus? The second test is this, the witness of the Holy Spirit. We see in verse 4, Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Oh, isn't that a great verse? Powerful verse. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Who's he talking about? He's talking about the Holy Spirit. You see, the Bible teaches that every follower of Jesus Christ... And by this, I mean every blood-bought son or daughter of God who has repented of their sin and embraced Jesus Christ by faith as Lord and Savior of their life has been gifted, has been given the promise of heaven and has been given the promise and the person of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Listen to this amazing verse in Ephesians 1, verse 13. Write it down, this reference. In Him you are. Also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes into the life of the believer. We have the Spirit of Jesus living within us. 1 John 3 24 from last week, in, in the message that we looked at, we have this verse And by this we know that He abides in us by the Spirit. Whom he is given. The Holy Spirit is given to those who believe in Jesus Christ. And in Romans eight sixteen, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Folks, what a truth this is. The Holy Spirit testifies, gives us assurance of our salvation. The Holy Spirit provides comfort and strength and wisdom and discernment, conviction in areas of sin in our lives. And one of the key ways that this happens, and the the most vital way, is through the Word of God. The other is the witness of the Holy Spirit testifying in our hearts the truth of the Word of God and what is actually going on in our lives. Believer in Christ here today, there is no reason for the true child of God to be deceived. We have the Word of God. We have the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit within us, helping us to discern what is true and what is false. And the Holy Spirit heightens our spiritual senses. You say, well, how do I know the Holy Spirit is in me? You know what? We believe it in faith. We take God's Word by what it says, and we believe it by faith. But one of the major ways that that is through the growth and, and the manifestation of the spiritual fruit that we are growing in the fruit of the spirit. and in Galatians 5 is a great way that we can know that the Holy Spirit is living in, in us. Another great evidence of the Holy Spirit is that day by day God is working and shaping us more and more into the image of Jesus Christ. And the things of this world die a little more in us day by day. It is a process. It takes time. It is a lifetime of the Holy Spirit working, conforming, and transforming our lives more and more to reflect that of Christ. Another way we know the Holy Spirit is working in our lives, that we can test this in our our own spirits, is there a growing love for God, a deepening appreciation and desire for the Word of God in our lives. You see, Satan will never move us towards these affections. Instead, he directs our hearts, our minds, our thinking, our affections towards other things like money and position and power or or the pursuit of comfort or pleasure. One of the great ways the devil loves to deceive and to distract us is is to tell us to, to put things off till tomorrow. Get serious about God. Yeah, I know I need to do that, but do it tomorrow. Do it down the road. Do it when you're older. A huge test or indicator of the Holy Spirit that is at work in my life is in a growing love for God, His truth in the body of Christ. Are we looking for opportunities to show and to to serve the body of Christ? You see, we see all of this through the book of 1 John. We see that as we come to understand Jesus rightly and we confess Him as our Lord and our Savior, We desire to be obedient to his word and it is expressed in a love for others. And when we are walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, not grieving or quenching the the Holy Spirit in our lives through through harboring sin or bitterness or unforgiveness in our lives, he gives us the ability with heightened spiritual senses to discern God's thoughts and ways from all other ways. So what are the two tests we have so far? We have the Jesus test. We have the witness of the Holy Spirit. As we are hearing, as, as we're walking in step with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will, will remind us of the truth of the Word of God. We'll put our, our sensors on high alert when, when there is false teaching. We start to realize there's something not right with this. There's a discernment that comes from the Holy Spirit. And the third test is the Word of God. Test number three, the Word of God test. Look at here in verse 5, verse 5 and 6. They are from the world, speaking of, of false teachers here. Therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Now, in verse 5, John is saying that the world listens to these false teachers. That They like what they have to say. They go easy on sin. No need to confess. No need to get all that serious. There's no narrow way. Do what you want. It's about living your best life now. It gives ear-tickling messages. Things that you want to hear about living that best life right now. It's positive pep talks with Enough biblical truth to barely fill a thimble. And it can be so deceiving because we see these preachers on TV or we read about them and they have a huge following. And it's the reason to believe that that many people in the Christian church then, and it's believed even today, that many can easily be deceived. And John is saying, don't forget the truth. Remember the false teachers are out there, but don't forget the truth of the Word of God. And John is saying, don't forget about us. When he's talking about this us here, he's talking to himself and the apostles. Don't you go and start to think that we should start to to, to soft sell and loosen up on the, the harder things and soft sell sin? Stay away from controversial issues and passages that might make people sad or mad? You know, folks, you need to understand something about many preachers that I talk to, and and I've talked to a a number of them in in harvest circles and others that I know who love to preach the Word of God. But for preachers, Sunday afternoons can be very, very tough and into the day on Monday. It can be a very strange time for pastors. I mean, it's just, we can be weird. We can be battling just Various things. Just ask my family what at times Sunday afternoon is, as, as I'm going through in my mind certain things I've said, and, 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 and it can be a hard time because it's like, oh, why did I say that? Because I know that at times as I'm preaching the Word of God, that there's a part where I know that, that, that God's Word stings, and it convicts, and it reveals wrong motives and, and selfish and wrong thinking in, in our lives, mine included, God's Word exposes these things. And down deep, I want to be liked. I wish that, that people could walk out of here every Sunday, you know, kind of happy, happy, happy. And, 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 but you know what, folks? God, God desires that we be holy, holy, holy. And what's more important is not the approval of man, but the approval of God. And that is something that, that we as pastors can fight and struggle because there's times I can even tell that the Word of God stings and it convicts us as we sit here together as God's word is open to us. And sometimes, like the rich young ruler walks he walked away from the truth as he asked Jesus that important question, and he walked away, very sad because he was very wealthy and because Jesus called him to give it up. Are you willing to give? Give up things for the word of God, to be obedient to his word and to his truth. But what is more important, the approval of man or the approval of God? We are not to live for the approval of man. That's fleeting and it doesn't last. So kind of neat, when I think back, when I first started in ministry, I look at some of those early sermons that I preached when I was a youth pastor. And the senior pastor that that I had it was just a very encouraging man, a very wonderful role model for me to follow. And, and after times, uh, after I would preach and he would talk to me afterwards and, and, and he would say these words, he would say, well done, good and faithful servant. And, and it was just kind of a cute way of saying, but you know what folks, the most important thing that we ought to be living for is to hear from our Lord Jesus, well done, good and faithful servant. Oh, may we be faithful what has been entrusted to us. In verse 6 here, John says, We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. When John is saying this, he's referring to himself as well as to the other apostles. He's saying, listen to us, remember our teaching, remember the letters, remember what has been proclaimed to you and what has been written to you. And what he's referring to in this is to the word of God. He says, we are from God. He says, this is the word of God that we are are proclaiming to you, that we've written to you. And so he's saying, test everything by the word of God, by the doctrines that the apostles have laid out in their teaching." 1 Timothy, or 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13, 1 Thessalonians 2, 13 is a great verse in terms of the authority and the inspiration of the apostles' teaching and doctrine. Listen to, to what it has to say as the apostle Paul is talking and, and, and he says, and we know, and, and we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the Word of God, which is at work in you as believers. He's saying, the, this is the Word of God that the apostles, that we have proclaimed to you. These just aren't the opinions of man. This is the truth from God himself. And here is how we came to have the Word of God. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 21 says, For no prophecy, God's Word, he's talking here, was never produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. What we have before us here today in the Word of God is the actual Word of God that he wanted to communicate to us as his followers. And so in faith, we place ourselves under Scripture. This is where we learn about God, who He is, what He is like. In our preaching, the end goal of our preaching isn't that you wouldn't simply remember these three tests. You know, sadly, most of you by Tuesday probably won't even remember these three tests. And that's okay. I've come to grips with it that, that, that... The sermon itself may not be that memorable week after week as we are exposed to a lot of different teachings and a lot of other things in our lives, but the end goal of preaching at Harvest Bible chapels around the world is that at the end of the sermon, at the end of the Sunday, that We are seeing the high value, the high view of Scripture that we have, that Scripture is priority, that Scripture there is power, and we see the necessity of immersing our minds and our lives in the Word of God, that the Word of God would have a high place, would have ultimate authority in our lives. And you see, Scripture can and is today often dangerously taken and applied to our lives to our wants, to our desires, to, to our own personal understanding, to, to fit our own personal way of thinking or, or to justify certain lifestyles. That's a wrong way to interpret scripture. It's not correct to do it that way. <laughs> even heard how people will use Genesis 1.29 for justifying the use of, of marijuana. Oh yeah, yeah. You, you can biblically back up the use of, of, of marijuana even these days from the word of God. Look at what it says and how they take it. Out of context, and God said, behold, I've given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every tree with seed in it, its fruit. And God saw everything he had made and it was, as they would say, very good. It's funny, but also very sad that people will use scripture like this to justify all kinds of lifestyles or sinful or selfish practices and ideas. But a careful study of scripture needs to be done, folks. And we need to study scripture and use it and and have a filter or lens by which we see everything. Not take our experiences or ideas and our lifestyles and try to find scriptures to support it. But rather we submit ourselves under God's word. And that is the filter and lens by which we look at our lives, we look at culture, we look at what is going on in our heart, and it is by that that we measure the truth of where things are at. You see, knowing the Word, learning the doctrines of our faith is so important. You see, some of you might think, though, oh, but doctrines, theology, that, that, that's for theologians, that's for, for, for you know, those who go to, to, to Bible college or seminary. No, that's not true, folks. Love this quote from R.C. Sproul. He says, Doctrine for the Christian is unavoidable. It's not a choice between doctrine or no doctrine, but between sound doctrine and false doctrine. It's so important, folks, that we're teaching ourselves something. We're following a doctrine. We're following a teaching. Is it lining up with the Word of God? Is it based on the authority of God's Word? And when Scripture is used in a way that we see it as the ultimate authority in our lives and we obey it and we're faithfully growing in our obedience and that there is hope, there is power, there is strength. Not just by knowing the word of God, but by living it, by applying it to our lives. So we have these three tests. How are we doing in these areas? Let's bow our heads together. God, I pray that you would help us this week to immerse ourselves in the truth of your word. May your word be like what we read in Jeremiah 15, where it says, Your words were found unto me, and I did eat them, and they became in me the joy and the rejoicing in my heart. We need, Heavenly Father, so much discernment today. The errors and the false teachings that can so easily bombard us or trap us in defeat, that corners us with discouragement or fear, that causes us to choose sin and suffering over obedience and blessing. Oh God, I pray that that these tests that we would continue to grow in our love and our understanding of, of Jesus, your Son, that we would see the beauty of the glorious work that Christ came to this earth to do. Jesus, God in the flesh, coming to be that sacrifice for our sins. May we not settle for anything less than that. May your Holy Spirit, may we be sensitive and soft towards your spirit. And I wonder today, folks, as we're in this moment of prayer, are there areas in our lives truths of God's word that we are slipping away from, that we're diluting, that we're ignoring, or maybe we're becoming kind of sluggish in, in our faith. We're getting our eyes on other things, commitments in things that won't last. Perhaps we've allowed other spirits to gain access into our minds, other ways of thinking. And we even find ourselves justifying these areas that that the Bible actually calls sin or warns us about and we're ignoring these areas. Folks, I encourage you, stop today. Allow the Holy Spirit to work in your lives and to convict you in these areas and spend time confessing these areas before God, repenting and making it right. Stop grieving and quenching the Holy Spirit. Some of you may feel far or distant from the Lord today and it's because there's unconfessed areas in your life and the Holy Spirit can't testify with our spirits because we've, we've grieved or we've quenched the Spirit's work in us. I wonder today, are there areas of obedience that you're not taking? Remember that delayed obedience is disobedience. Maybe it's the area of baptism. Or Perhaps maybe you're here and, and you were baptized long ago. Here on this Baptism Sunday, we have such a great reminder of, of obedience and living out the truth of God's word, living out the gospel through through baptism. Some of you perhaps were baptized a long time ago. You're still not off the hook. The word of God is to be lived out daily in our lives. And our lives are to be a continuation of the declaration that we made when we were first baptized. Lord, I pray that even in this time that we would would examine our hearts, that we would be wise, that no one here would be deceived by false teaching. Instead, we would be growing deep our roots in the truth of your word, in the witness of your Holy Spirit, and in the worship and the awe of our great and our wonderful Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who came to this earth. Lord, may this song even be a declaration as we sing, thank you, God, for saving me, And may it be our heart's declaration here today and then our lives would follow in living in obedience. Oh God, we just thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you are doing in our lives today. and May we follow you faithfully and declare you boldly through our lives and through our lips, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.